Call 285-9555. They're on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. They resurrected the show. Give them a follow on uh, Twitter. VCL Niagara is their tag. And uh, give them a follow because they brought the show back. They're sponsoring local sports content on the airwaves for you, the Western New York sports fan. You're listening to Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. I am Tim Graham of The Athletic, here with my crooked co-host, the big crooked, Mike Rodak of ESPN.com. Crooked Rodak. Sitting next to my former co-host, who is in studio and actually on the show for the first time since he left a year and a half ago, Joe Licata. The head football coach at Bishop Time in St. Jude. That's why he had to leave the show. He went on to bigger and better things. And the he's the athletics director. So pretty amazing that uh, a school would actually give you that kind of authority. <laughs> Former UB quarterback Joe Licata, that is. Still holds records there. For about 10 more minutes. For, right. For how long, we don't know. But uh, we'll talk some UB football with Joe. Joe uh, wants to talk some Drew Brees after uh, the Saints quarterback breaks the all-time passing record on Monday night, and uh, and we're going to break down some Josh Allen. Uh, let me get around the room here first before we get into that. Jonah Bronstein's here. He's filming things for Facebook Live. You can see a, a live stream of this show right now uh, on Facebook Live, on my page, on all the different pages. We're, uh, we're going to get this uh, circulated a little bit more widely as time goes on. Tim Graham Show, by the way, is available on SoundCloud and uh, soon to be available on iTunes. Uh, going through the registration process on that. Bobby Rosati, diddling the knobs as he's wont to do, as he is proficient here at the Tim Graham Show. Bobby Rosati, our producer extraordinaire. And Joe Licata, you're your former quarterback. You coach up all these kids around town in your passing camps at Joe Licata Football. Uh, and uh, and also coaching at Bishop Timon St. Jude, so uh, you're you keep a keen eye on the quarterback play, and I know you watch your Bills every Sunday. Uh, what are you seeing out of Josh Allen? Give us your perspective on this guy. Here we are, five games into his NFL career. <laughs> well, he's obviously very talented. Um, he's tall, big hands, looks great in shorts, <laughs> all that good stuff. Uh, you know, he he. Uh, He's got a lot of ability, and when he's synced up with with Coach Dable and they're they're running um, some stuff to showcase his, his ability, he's really special out there. Yes, but when they're not, um, he struggled. I mean his his issue is his inaccuracy, and again, when everything's not synced up with the play calls and with with effort on the outside. Um, then they tend to struggle a little bit, and and I, he's not getting the most help in the world right now. Um. Well, let's talk about his help. You know, the receiving core has, uh, on paper, doesn't look that good, uh, and we knew that heading into the season. Right. And this is a point that uh, we were making. We were talking after the game, Mike Rodak and I were, uh, and Jonah. Jonah was there also. And we were talking about uh, – Josh Allen's accuracy, and yes, he has issues with it, and he is throwing balls that aren't on the mark. But my contention, and Mike disputed it, was if he had some better receivers, you're at least looking at three or four more receptions a game if a guy's going to give some effort to dive for the thing. Uh, You don't really see these receivers on the ground too much going for a ball. 
Uh, I don't know if that's necessarily effort or just lack of talent, but if he had something better, even if he is throwing exactly the same type of pass that he is, a guy who's better with his catch radius or whatever, then I think you're seeing a much more productive quarterback just by happenstance on, on a handful of balls. Isn't I, I don't disagree with what you're saying, but isn't this the same exact conversation we had last year about Tyrod? Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. The exact I think, same. Yeah, I think that the Bills are playing exactly the same way they did last year when they were winning. Good defense. Eric Wood wrote about it in his column uh, that's at The Athletic today. Eric Wood does a weekly column with us at, at The Athletic. Check it out. And that's the point he was making, is it looked an awful lot like Tyrod out there running for touchdowns right. when the pocket breaks down, scrambling for yardage, being a weapon. That's where Josh Allen's been the best weapon right now is Absolutely. with his legs. Game. In the run game. Uh, he's been he, He's got some ability. I mean, what, what do you run at the combine? A four-something? He, he's, he's super athletic. He's able to make plays with his feet, but it just hasn't quite happened yet. With his arm, I mean, he's 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 had a couple good games where the schemes have been special, and they've taken some shots downfield. They're faking screens, throwing the ball downfield, um, and that's his kind of game—the kind of more college type offense uh, where he can throw the ball downfield, throw screens, get comfortable, run a little bit of his own read. That's when he's really thriving out there. Before we get any further with Josh Allen, I wanted to address some. Somewhat breaking news. What out of one Bills drive, which what? was Tre'Davious White being limited today with an ankle injury. Uh, my belief from what I saw today is that he suffered it during practice. We were out there after practice, and he was walking off the field through the field house with his shoes off, his socks off, uh, accompanied by a member of the training staff. So it looked like it happened during practice. Uh, and the fact that they're listing him on the injury report is significant, given that he's probably the I don't want to say the best player in her defense, but at least the most important when you consider what else to have at corner. Um, obviously issues at the number two corner spot all year and the fact that they're playing Deshaun Watson and um, DeAndre Hopkins this week. So that could be significant if it causes him not to play or at least if it limits him somehow in Sunday's game. Uh, that could be a huge issue for a game plan as you guys discussed somewhat earlier that you know they – they need to play good defense. They need to turn the ball over on defense, and they need to run the ball uh, in order to win. And that's the style that they're playing with. It's just like last year, and an injury to Tre'Davious White would would deal a blow to that strategy. Yeah, and Sean McDermott did not mention anything about a Tre'Davious White injury heading into practice, which is when he meets with the media on Wednesday. We were all there; nothing was ever mentioned. So the fact that he's on the injury report. Um, indicates that it happened in practice and underscores all the things that you said, Mike. Uh, huge, huge loss if he's even limited. You know, let's say he can play, you know, but just isn't 100%. You need to be 100% against DeAndre Hopkins and uh, whoever, uh, whatever the matchup is. I mean, I would be shocked if it's anybody else. I mean, that's – he's all they have at cornerback right now, and they've been matching him up against number one guys, and we saw in overtime there. And he's been great at it. Yeah, Mon- or Sunday night what he did, uh, Hopkins did against the Cowboys. Um, so that that's pretty critical. <laughs> that was an unbelievable play. I mean, he's he's just a special type talent. Yeah, and I mean, not to get too far down the wormhole, but I mean, you got to think cornerback is a huge draft need for the Bills next year, given the fact that they failed with the Vontae Davis signing even before he retired. That wasn't going to work out. It was pretty clear. And then 
I mean, Philip Gaines has been in and out of the starting lineup. He was a healthy scratch two weeks ago, got into the lineup later in the game, but that number two cornerback spot has been a black hole for them. And if White was not able to play for some reason, and you're probably looking at Ryan Lewis and Philip Gaines starting on the outside, which is All right, so what a, a big problem. Right, and what that indicates, or at least projects for Sunday, is even the tougher game. The Bills opened as a 10-point underdog, and you can say, well, what does that matter? They were uh, a 17-point 17. underdog to Minnesota at Minnesota and, law, and won that game. Um, and then they were a double-digit underdog against Green Bay and got crushed. But the belief is that Houston is a much better team already, and now if you have uh, Tredavious White limited in any kind of capacity going up against uh, Houston, uh, then that makes it that much more difficult for the Bills to get to 3-3. Three and three. And this is another topic that uh, Eric Wood uh, addressed in his column. And the feeling around the team, if the Bills get to 3-3 three and three versus going to 2-4, and four, and what they should do with LaShawn McCoy. And that's where I want to bring everybody else in here. Of course, Joe Licata here in studio with us, uh, Mike Rodak and uh, Jonah Bronstein, if he wants to join in. Uh, but LaShawn McCoy trade, you have to wonder that you know the Bills in the back of their mind think, well, we went to the playoffs last year. If we can get to 3-3, three and three, maybe we can do those same types of things that we did last season, like we did if we're using Josh Allen as he matures, as more of a Tyrod Taylor-type ball-control quarterback, not going to turn the ball over. We don't have to worry about big passing yards. We're just going to run it, play opportunistic defense, get short fields perhaps, and win the win a game that way with Mike House, or with Stephen Hauschka if we need to. Um, but if they have that much of a less ch- that less of a chance to win the game in Houston, and you're looking at two and four, then why not unload LaShawn McCoy because he's not going to do you any good anyway. Then, all right, then the other factor is how does that hurt Josh Allen's development because it would put that much more responsibility on his shoulders uh, on a week-to-week basis moving forward. Uh, And where does Derek Anderson fit into that? It's a double-edged sword. Um, Two and four, with that firepower on that offense or lack of firepower in general, you're not looking at a playoff run. I mean, being realistic. So at that point, do you do you dump him, try to get a second, third rounder for him? I think the answer is yes. But then to your second point about hindering Josh Allen's future, they have Mike. You looked it up earlier. I think you said fifty-five million dollars in dead dead cap space, mm-hmm. right? I, if they use that money to go get two receivers and and an offensive lineman. Imagine how much better shape they would be in right now for a young quarterback. I mean, that that, that hurts. That's the big glaring uh, issue in my mind is that dead money is – people think, hey, it's a down year, we're just developing for the future, but you're not giving your young quarterback a chance to develop because you're not putting any playmakers around them. So to me, that money being wasted is the biggest glaring issue. So whether you you, you trade McCoy or not, the issue was was last year with this Marcel – or two years ago with Marcel, um, and that dead money. Yeah, and I mean they have right now the second most cap space entering next season. Uh, I think it's eighty-four million dollars is the latest number that I saw. But there are a lot of people who say, "Well, just wait. Let's see what Brandon Bean does. He's going to spend all this money." But you have to always remember, and right. you don't have to explain this to Bills fans too deeply. Is convincing players to come to the Bills. Right isn't the easiest thing to do. 
and when it, whether it comes to facilities or just the fact that they have a, a track record. Like you really need to find guys who are going to band together, almost like recruiting uh, to a college that's 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 right. having a like let's say recruiting to Nebraska yeah. uh, this this off season. Yeah, a, a program. Yeah, it's a program <laughs> that people would like to go to. The Bills are one of thirty two teams that you can possibly be employed by, but. Yeah, you know, it's it's tough. It's I mean, tough to, to. It's probably easier to get guys like Trent Murphy, who are, you know, I don't want to say down home, but he's you know a, he's a ranch guy. He has owns cattle, um, that sort of thing, or bulls, I should say. And you what know, are you that, trying this, to is, say? this is his style. Like this is the sort of city you're not going to get a guy who wants to be on South Beach or be in L.A. I mean, that's that's tough and. There's obviously pitfalls with free agency. I mean, there's always the argument that, oh, well, they overpaid Mario Williams, but they were able to get him to come to Buffalo, and it showed that they were finally able to attract top-tier talent. Well, they overpaid the guy, and he wasn't that good. Um, you know, go back further. Langston Walker and um, and uh, Derek Dockery that year in 2006, they threw a bunch of money at them to try to fix the offensive line, and clearly that did not work. So uh, that's not always the, the right method, and even – and rightfully so, the the current regime has said they want to build through the draft. So the fact that they have a ton of cap space, I don't know that that's going to do them a, a ton of good. I think the fact that they still have a full allotment of draft picks next year, plus a couple extras, the Reggie Ragland fourth-rounder, uh, the A.J. McCarron fifth-rounder, and a seventh-rounder as well from the Kevon Seymour trade, that's going to help them, I think, more because that's what they're trying to do more than just go out and – spend $40, $50 million on an offensive lineman trying to fix it. Well, that then backs up the idea of trading for draft picks. Those guys have to come and play for the Bills. They have no choice. Right. So trading LaShawn McCoy for draft picks. Jonah? Well, I just wanted to pop in. I think if they do trade McCoy, if the Bills were to trade McCoy, which there's some sense to it, they have to get another running back back, either in a separate deal or from Philadelphia. They're way too thin at that position. I know you say if they're 2-4, and four, the season's over, but they're still going to try to win week to week. And they would need – they already, I think, could use another running back right now. Yeah, I think they'll go to the, the Marcus Murphy, Chris Ivory route with Tywan Jones sort of as Bo that Oliver. third guy. Yeah, I mean – Bo Oliver. Like, uh, Rodak just went ahead and clicked – like, yeah, 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 Bo Oliver. Well, I mean, it would be a guy like that, to be honest. Joe Licata's former as a, UB teammate, for those who don't know. Bring in as a third guy. Um, I don't know if they would make a separate deal, I think. Look, if it comes to that point, man, obviously this – clearly is being debated or talked about by by LaShawn, by Sean McDermott and um, and Brandon Bean. I mean, they didn't deny it today. Well, real quick, b- b- parse the words. Like, uh, like, go through the semantics of what uh, what did Sean McDermott say today without saying it. Well, he walked to the podium, and I'm not even sure he, that he needed to do this, but he came to the podium as if he was the president addressing a national crisis, and he's, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get out in front of this, and I'm going to address the, yeah. the Sean McCoy issue and say that, you know, we field a lot of calls, and that's Brandon's job, and we talk about a lot of things, but we're focused on the Texans, and we think that If LeSean he really McCoy wanted to get member. ahead of it and, and say, he could say, we are not trading LeSean right. McCoy, or, but he it. didn't say that. Right, and then, of So course, he didn't really get out ahead of it. He kind of... <laughs> He jumped in the middle went of back it. Right. He said it without even saying it. it. Once he was asked by, I believe it was Adam Benini after that, well, does this mean that the Eagles called you? And he said, I'm not going to get into that. Well, clearly that yes, means yes. Is. And then Vic Carucci asked um, whether LaShawn McCoy is available by a trade. And that's when Sean had a, I thought, a little overly defensive answer where he, he began with um, – by saying he scolded Vic, he scolded, he scolded the room. He scolded the room, and he started off by saying, 
uh, men as if you know, we're all men. I mean, it's probably used to saying that because he's talking Big to a group speech. of 60 players every day, but you know, there are four or five women in that room. And he says, this is why I came out. And, and one s- child, Mike Rodak. Yeah, well, <laughs> sort of. And started where I started. If you just want to hear the same reply, I'll give you the same reply. I respect where you're coming from and the jobs you have to do. Respect where I'm coming from. He's a valuable member of our football team, and I'm going to leave it at that. It was the furthest thing from a denial. It was essentially him coming out and saying, yes. This is pissing me off. Well, not even that. I think it was him saying, yes, but I can't possibly say it outright. I'm just going to say it outright instead. It was bizarre. Um, I don't think it was bizarre. I just don't think he did what he wanted it to do. Right. I think – Exactly. He thought he was, as he said, getting ahead of it, and he didn't. He had pretty much just jumped in the middle and kind of rolled around in it. <laughs> All right, we need to tape. We, yeah. What was that? What did he say? I'm going to look at the tape. Yeah, I'm, we're going to listen to the tape. <laughs> hey, you know who we have coming up later in the show? Uh, Jesse Kubinet, a associate producer for Jimmy Kimmel Live, is a huge Bills fan. He's going to be on the show. He's going to talk about his cursed Bills uh, fandom uh, and also his comedy writing. It'll be a lot of fun. Uh, We're going to get into some various things there. Uh, We'll also hear from Joel Staniszewski. He'll be on the line from Vegas uh, to talk about uh, the gambling trends. And uh, Joel Licata is going to tell us a little bit more about what he thinks of the Bills receiving core. Uh, We kind of got off that uh, topic a little bit when we – we're uh, diverted by the Tredavious White injury news, but uh, we're going to talk more about these Bills receivers and whether or not Josh Allen is getting a fair shake uh, in his development uh, as a rookie quarterback in the NFL on the Tim Graham Show, brought to you by Viola Cummings and Lindsay, your personal injury and workers' compensation attorneys. It's Tim Graham, the Tim Graham Show, now on Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. The Tim Graham Show, taking your calls at 270-1270 on Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. If you've been injured by the negligence of others, call the lawyers of Viola Cummings and Lindsay to represent you in a personal injury or workers' compensation matter. At Viola Cummings and Lindsay, we can help you pick up the pieces and get the benefits you deserve. Call 285-9555. On the web at violacummingslindsay.com. Viola Cummings and Lindsay, attorneys at law, with three locations to serve you in Niagara Falls, Lockport, and Williamsville. Call today for a free consultation. Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show, brought to you by Viola Cummings and Lindsay, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys. Call 285-9555. Visit them on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. The firm can be found on Twitter at VCL Niagara. Big sponsor here of Radio Duggernaut, Tim Graham Show. Mike Rodak of ESPN.com. He's the co-host. Crooked Rodak. Bishop Timon St. Jude, head coach and athletics director. Joe Licata is the former co-host. He's here in studio for the first time since leaving the show. Since jilting us for gainful employment. The nerve. They're calling him back. Got to get the veteran in the room. Good to have him Tutor back. me. Like Derek Anderson. We're going to talk about, that's right, you're the the Derek <laughs> Anderson my, to Mike's NFL? Nathan Peterman. Yeah. That, I think that hurts a little bit. <laughs> well. Jonah Bronstein's handling things for Facebook Live and uh, adding to the conversation. We're going to get into some UB talk. Joe Licata's a proud UB alum. They're playing great. And uh, since we've talked about the Bills, we might as well talk about UB because I'm not sure that Joe wants to talk about what's going on at Bishop Time in St. Jude on the football field. Do we? We're playing well. 
Yeah, he's well, scheming we'll them right. up. We'll be all right. TV commentator Len Jankowitz said Joe's scheming them up. Act like I know what I'm doing out there. <laughs> well coached team. Yeah, I I hear great things. I know there. that you you you're dealing with some serious issues. You had mass defections. Uh, the program had some problems last year, and you're re, you're building something. Yeah, we've and got, that's uh, commendable. That's admirable to be able to do as a coach. You're not just coaching a program. You're you're building a thing from the ground floor, and you're the athletics director. It's a, it's a lot of fun. Bobby Rosati, the, the kids are awesome. Is uh, the producer. Uh, get, tell us about it. Tell us about what's going on there. I mean, it's I know it's a struggle. And how do you keep the kids motivated? They're not getting the wins, but they're getting closer. No, nah, it's it's people ask me that, you know, if it's tough. But going to practice every day is awesome when you got a group of kids who will work for you. Um, they come in every day and and work their butts off. So I mean, my job is easy. All I have to do is set a game plan and get them get them motivated and fired up, ready to go, and and they're already there. But how has it been tough for you? You won a lot of games in a lot of sports in high school won most of your seasons at UB you guys had winning teams Mm -hmm. has it been an adjustment for you to be part of uh rebuilding and you know a challenging situation like this uh a little bit yeah um after games is tough because you think about the five six plays that could have changed the outcome of the game and then you go into Monday's you know film session and you just explain things to the kids and say hey guys if we're not on our a game 100% of the time then this is what happens and it's a great learning experience for them it's a great learning experience for me I mean I you were at the game the other night I, I regret calling that uh hook and lateral on third and eight at our own 10 yard line that fumbled the ball and gave them the ball so it's a learning experience for all of us that's uh, Joe Licata head coach at uh, Bishop Time in St. Jude I'm sorry, I, I stepped on you there. I, I just say, need I to remind really people regret that regret uh, that that much. It was risk, I was thinking the call, call you scored on. What, what play was that down by the goal line? Yeah, um, the play action deep post over top. the The safety was sucking up on any uh, any play action, so we schemed him up a little bit. And you knew that play was going to work. Yeah, I knew you had was, that in all week. Yeah, I knew it was going to work. So why didn't you run it every time? That's, <laughs> what, that's what the times. average fan would want to know. All right, well, if it works so well, why didn't you run it 17 times? I, I cannot stand – this is why I don't like going to Bills games anymore. I, I, I used to sit in the stands, and it would be third and 20, and they'd throw a screen or run the ball and get, get 8, 10 yards, and, and that's a good football play um, from a football guy's perspective. You're, you're going to punt on fourth and 12 as opposed to fourth and 20. That's a, that's a smart football move. You're going to change the field position, and, and you got guys in the stands screaming, why aren't they throwing it to the sticks? You know what the odds of completing it at third and 25 are as opposed to getting your yardage, punting, playing good defense, When the, the defense is defending the sticks. Right. It, it, it doesn't make any – that drive, they should drive me nuts about going to Bills games. Guys, I want to turn around and say something, but then I'm like I'm talking to somebody who's eight beers deep. It's really not that. <laughs> well, <laughs> why should that be? They be any different than right. uh, when you stop in and talk to me? Anyway, well, Tom Brady just stupid. There's no way to hear what you have to say anyway. <laughs> All right, so give us your uh, overview of the UB Bulls and what you've seen so far. And uh, they've been a lot of fun. And yeah. I know they took a tough one there with uh, such a large crowd right. and uh, a clunker there against Army in front of its uh, largest stage when you really want to impress the local fans and, and reward them for giving you a chance uh, by spending an afternoon out at uh, UB Stadium. But they're playing a really strong brand of Mid-American Conference football. And, uh, well, we're looking at a team that's probably going to get a handful of guys drafted. Yeah. Um, I mean, Tyree Jackson, been saying it since uh, 
hosted him on his official visit. You were saying it on the show was, when you were two years ago. You were talking about how special he was going to be. He is special. That's the only word that you can use to describe him. I mean, he's six foot seven. He's got all the measurables. He's gonna he's gonna throw the ball through the wall. He's gonna test out at the combine. He's gonna probably run like a four six, four seven at the slowest. Um, if he can stay healthy, uh, he he's another guy that'll. That'll grab the national attention just like Josh Allen did last year, um, but he—I mean—he's accurate. He's—he can throw. I, I saw him get on a knee from the fifty and throw it through the goalpost. I mean, that's—you can't teach stuff like that. He can do some stuff that with a football that I've never seen before. Um, and then he's throwing to guys like Anthony Johnson and KJ Osborne and uh, the kid from Wisconsin, the transfer rushing George rushing. Yeah, George and uh, Charlie. Charlie Jones, yeah, I mean, Antonio they, Nunn, they got a lot they, of guys. They just have they have playmakers across the board. And uh, with that offense that they're running, um, you know, I mean, he's he's getting the ball to his hands quickly and then they're throwing play action stuff. Their running game is working. I mean, it, they're they're fun to watch. I mean, that offense is is tough to tough to stop, especially when you got, you know, James O'Hagan center at, at center just anchoring that that offensive line that hadn't given up a sack. I mean, they're they're special. They're special on offense. What do you guys think about Anthony Johnson's production so far? You take a stats are only one right. slice of the of the pie when you're looking at a player and what he can do. And a lot of people heading into the season said Anthony Johnson's first round pick material, just a great receiver. But he has 18 catches and yes, for 308 yards, so that's a 17.1 yard average, right. beautiful, uh, and three touchdowns. Uh, but He's been hurt. He's been hurt. True, the last but two games he really hasn't. He played, played like six there, plays. Yeah, he's been a decoy, right? But yeah. to see these numbers, it would do will a scout hold that against him and say, "Look, you're coming out of the Mid American Conference. You have to have dominant numbers." To you know, Khalil Mack, as great as he is, and a no brainer as uh, as a as a superstar in the making, still you know, didn't didn't go as high as he should have, probably because he's coming out of Buffalo. And you only had one game against elite competition. That was the Ohio State game. So, how much can that hurt these guys? Because the ball's being spread around a little bit. Well, I think the receivers. I mean, he's he's definitely a pro. He's definitely yes. going to get drafted. I do actually think it could hurt his draft prospects in the way that he's not helping himself. If some teams looked at him as a second or third round guy, he's not bumping himself up to maybe being a first high second round guy and I think that's the argument I thought he was going to leave after last year yeah he's got cousins friends from Rock Hill South Carolina guys that left college early and had very good pro careers he decided to come back wanted to finish his degree but between teams taking him away with double coverages injuries you never know what could happen I would have been surprised if he had as much production this season as he did last season I did I thought his statistically might hurt his draft case this season, and, and he might be doing that right now. His his impact on the game is still the exact same, though. I mean, he's drawing double, triple coverage. I mean, it, it, and you talk about the numbers being down. They're, they're going to be down because you can do that. If you want to take a receiver out of a game, you can, but their offense is still going to flourish. And, and football people understand that. They're going to turn on the film and say, okay, he's getting triple covered here. But the game that he's going to get drafted on, even though he didn't play all that much in, is the Temple game. Everyone's going to be mm-hmm. talking about the storyline. He had the flu. His best friend got shot the night before the game. Um, and, and the he, play he made. And, 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 the most... and the play he made was Larry Fitzgerald-type play. I mean, th- th- it was unbelievable. He ran that slant, caught the ball with a guy on top of him, broke like three tackles, somehow got in the end zone to win the game against 
Temple. I mean, that that was an unbelievable play, unbelievable game by that kid, especially in those circumstances. But I Joe, mean, as somebody who played at UB, played in the Mid American Conference, I don't think it's a UB problem specific. Right. I think it's a Mid American Conference problem. Do you do you? feel that scouts do their due diligence on guys out of the MAC. I yeah. know that it's their jobs and they need to find these guys. And Mid-American Conference players do get drafted early. They had Corey uh, Davis. They had one go first overall just a few years ago. I think but, it's positionally, too, though, in that conference. I mean, guys get on the field early and they could play early and get experience, but um, quarterbacks always get drafted because they're starting for four years usually. Um, you, bring it back to a different point uh, – Josh Allen at Wyoming, he was hurt his whole senior year. He stunk. He, he didn't have any numbers his senior year. He still goes first round. If you're good enough and you're that special, they're going to find you. But to your Khalil Mack point, he should have been the first overall pick ahead of Clowney that year. But he wasn't, probably because he was at UB. Um, now if he grad transfers and goes somewhere else and does that, I don't know that he's going to get drafted any higher than he did. But um, I don't know. It's an, it's interesting because, it's it's again, it's a double-edged sword. Do you want to go somewhere where there's more exposure and all this stuff, but you don't play as much, or do you want to really be a big fish in a, in a small pond and play a ton and set all these records and be the guy? It's and gone both ways. It's gone both ways. Like a guy like Antonio Brown's been overlooked. Yes. Corey Davis was a top ten pick yes. coming out of Western right. Michigan. Well, Jonah, I'll ask you too. I mean, you know, you follow this so closely, and Joe. Uh, who do you think gets drafted first of all the UB players? Now, I know you have to get inside, and it depends on what a team might need at that time that they're up to draft. But just as a prediction, who gets drafted first? Out of- Anthony Johnson would be the highest on my board, and I think most teams will look at him as the most talented, best prospect. Tyree Jackson, because he's a quarterback, and if he continues to have a good year, he's six foot seven, taller than every quarterback in the league. He can run. He has really doesn't have some of the weaknesses that Josh Allen showed. He could be a guy that rises late in the draft and gets picked high because of his position. That's what, that's exactly what I would say. If Tyree leaves this year, which uh, is a very good possibility, I mean, why wouldn't he? If he's a top five. Any inside info there, Joe? <laughs> Maybe. And he's going to graduate, it, right? He's going to graduate. Um, I do not think he will grad transfer. I, he won't grad transfer. Um, but if he's, a, if he's one of the – top five and I'm talking top five quarterbacks not top five rounds or top five pick top five quarterbacks they usually the top five quarterbacks go in the first round at worst middle of the second round he will leave and, and get drafted and, and I think that's a really smart move by him one point on Johnson Anthony Johnson the way he's played this year and actually kind of comes back to Tyree Jackson if you look at these last two games when he's been hurt Tyree Jackson has really struggled without Anthony Johnson right. out there. like about 140 yards a game completing less than 50 percent of his passes it's. I don't want to say he's playing poorly because he's made some plays, but it's statistically the worst he's played in the and last that's couple gonna, seasons. That's going to hurt his draft stock too, I believe, because because that's going to be the talk is he can't play without an elite receiver. Even though I, I don't buy that, but that's going to be the conversation. All right. When we come back, we're going to talk more about the Bills' receiving core. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about Josh Allen. We're going to have Jesse Cubanet from uh, Jimmy Kimmel Live an associate producer who's a huge Bills fan, and he's going to join us to to talk about uh, his career and also uh, maybe how it helps to be a comedy writer and a Bills fan uh, to help you cope. And uh, we're going to hear, of course, from Joel Staniszewski. He's going to be on the line from Vegas to give us the betting uh, angle on the upcoming NFL weekend uh, and much, much more on the Tim Graham Show here on Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. 
The Tim Graham Show. So you want to see Brandon Bean Chubb out there? Like I know who he is. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Two Chubbs in the draft. Act. You'll probably have a Chubb going into the. <laughs> I always do. <laughs> I wasn't gonna say. The Tim Graham Show on Sports Radio twelve seventy. The Fan. If you've been injured by the negligence of others, call the lawyers of Viola Cummings and Lindsay to represent you in a personal injury or workers' compensation matter. At Viola Cummings and Lindsay, we can help you pick up the pieces and get the benefits you deserve. Call 285-9555. On the web at violacummingslindsay.com. Viola Cummings and Lindsay, attorneys at law, with three locations to serve you in Niagara Falls, Lockport, and Williamsville. Call today for a free consultation. Hey, it's Bucky Gleason, the better half of the Bucky and Sully Show on Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. Be sure to tune in on Thursday. We'll have our interview with Channel 4's Josh Reed. We'll check in with our fantasy football expert, Eric Ludwig. Of course, we'll bring you the latest on the Bills matchup with Houston, the Eagles-Giants game Thursday night, and whether or not the Bills and Eagles can swing a deal for LaShawn McCoy. We're going to dial up our daily thermostats. I'm going to rub some salt in the wounds, as always, and we'll also have our daily optimistic shout-outs. It's all right here on the Bucky and Sully Show on 1270. Belcito Restaurant, 1368 Hurdle Ave at the corner of Saranac is the feel of old world Italy, but with newly remodeled modern decor. Belcito specializes in authentic Italian Neapolitan pizza with imported cheeses and meats. Belcito's fresh baked bread will make your mouth water as you bite into their muffalata panini with salami, mortadella, provolone cheese, and olive tamponade. Or try the stuffed hot peppers made with four cheeses. Belcito now serves homemade pasta with the freshest Sunday sauce meatballs, sausage, and lasagna that will take you back to your grandma's house. Belcito has a fine selection of Italian wines, 11 taps from local breweries, Peroni, Moretti, and all your favorites in a bottle. Join them for lunch and dinner, Friday happy hour, and on Sundays come watch football and enjoy select draft beers, well drinks, and at halftime, a buffet for only $25. This Friday, log on to SportsRadio1270.com to get your sweet deal of the week. Purchase a $50 voucher for only $25 five dollars to belcito restaurant you have to be up in five hours two hours six minutes and you haven't slept a wink zequil pure z's is a drug-free blend of botanicals with an optimal dose of melatonin so you can fall asleep naturally and wake with no next day grogginess so tonight Try new Z-Quil Pure Z's from the sleep experts at Vicks Z-Quil. Napa know-how. Right now, five-quart jugs of Napa Full Synthetic Motor Oil are only $18.99. It protects your engine from sludge and extreme temperatures. But did you know it also protects our troops? Yep, with each purchase of Napa Full Synthetic for $18.99, a portion goes to the Intrepid Fallen Heroes Fund. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General states pricing. Sales prices do not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends 10-31-18. My battle buddies and I attended the NHL Stadium Series at Yankee Stadium. We had never been there before, and two of us had never seen a hockey game. Man, we had the time of our lives. It was great therapy. Vent ticks, we can't thank you enough. Every empty seat at a concert, a game, motorsports, or a play 
is a missed opportunity to say thanks to a veteran and service member. We can help. We can give our veterans a special event where they too can create their own cherished memories. Find out how by visiting www.vettix.org. That's www.vettix.org. Find out how you can make a difference in a veteran's life. The Tim Graham Show on Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. I like you, though. You guys don't laugh. For it is together Together that we prevail. Rare for the Tim Graham Show, an actual Bills fan in the studio. Now, back to the Tim Graham Show. The world is a vampire. Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show here on Sports Radio 1270. The Fan, the Tim Graham Show, is brought to you by Viola Cummings and Lindsay LLP, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys. Call 285-9555. Visit them on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. Check them out on Twitter at VCL Niagara. Don't forget your at sign on there. You got to at VCL Niagara. I think everybody knows that, but... Mike, you don't have anything to add? No. No. Big Crooked, Mike Rodak, my uh, eloquent host. Crooked Rodak. Joe Licata, former UB quarterback, now the head coach and athletics director at Bishop Time in St. Jude. He's here in studio with us. Good to have him back. Good to be back. Let's uh, talk about your good friend, Khalil Mack. Uh, He went through quite a summer. Yeah. And I know that you spent some time with him. What are your thoughts on how that whole thing played out with the Oakland Raiders? And, of course, Khalil is in a great situation with the Chicago Bears, looking like the super-duper star that he is. And uh, I guess, thankfully for him, he did not get off to a slow start in Chicago. I mean, it was out of the gates uh, because he doesn't have to deal with the pressure of, well, that's what happened when you hold out and right. serves you right for playing your, you know, for maximizing your leverage and the whole thing. Um, I don't know. We'll start there. Just give me, give us your general thoughts on what happened to your buddy. Well, it's, I mean, to that last point about, you know, you're playing on primetime TV and I think the first two games were Monday night football and Sunday night football. And he just, he was the best player on the field, um, until Aaron Rodgers showed up that one time. But, uh, it just shows how much one player can really make a difference and, and, and boost your defense. I mean, he's, he's been without a doubt the defensive MVP, um, but the whole situation, I mean, I can't tell if it was Gruden's fault or if it was the Raiders organization or whatever it was, but Gruden's been interviewed after game saying it's really hard to find a good pass rusher. It's really hard. It's even harder to find a great pass rusher. Well, John, you uh, you had one in your locker room, and he's a generational talent, and you just got rid of him. So I, I don't know if he's trolling the Raiders' front office or if he's just – firmly believes that if he's that crazy that he doesn't think that that would have been a smart move but he does not look very good right now yeah it makes you wonder if John Gruden was under some sort of uh constraints and but you know he also if that's the case he's has the most power that anybody's had in that organization since Al Davis died 
and to be paid that amount of money, I'm sure that he could make things happen if he wanted to, or to play, order the team to uh, make something happen. And you know, we were talking during the break, and Jonah Bronstein had brought it up: is whether or not the the Raiders, because they they are not known for being the most well-run organization, and the, one of the reasons why they're moving to Las Vegas is, uh, you know, they're they're kind of They've been broke. You know, they've been talking about uh, uh, their ownership uh, being shaky, and the the NFL owners were on Mark Davis about that a couple of years ago uh, up to to get your stuff together. But uh, I guess that's really the only explanation, especially if you're a Raiders fan. You have to hope that that's what it is, because otherwise, it's incompetence. I mean, he was he was a fan favorite. He was Raider Nation for life. I mean, he was he was great for that organization, and to just. How did he handle it, Joe? How did he handle it personally? Well, I I didn't I I texted him a week after just congratulating him. It was just small talk, but prior to that, the only thing I talked to him about was I said, "Man, I, I was a big Gruden fan. Um always have been. Always, you know, thought he was great. Loved watching him on Monday Night Football. Loved his quarterback stuff. Um big fan." <laughs> and so when he signed with with the Raiders, I, I Khalil was in Buffalo and I was like, "Man, that's awesome." Uh, you know, I'm a huge John Gruden fan. It'll be great for you. I'm sure he'll be awesome to play for. He loved, he, he always talked great about him on Monday Night Football. And all Khalil said was, they're paying that man $100 million. And that's all he said. He didn't say, like, it'll be cool, it'll be this, it'll be that. He said, they're paying that man $100 million. And that was it. And I just thought that reaction was like, eh, yeah, they are. And you know he wasn't on an island thinking that right. that these guys, that the players in that locker room were talking about this coach coming in and making that kind of money. I just I just thought it was real interesting that that was his first reaction to me being excited about John Gruden going to you know back to Oakland. That was his reaction. But did you guys talk and being close as you were uh, as UB teammates, and you guys have remained close about how difficult it was for him uh, to to be in the situation that he was while the Raiders are in training camp and people pointing fingers and he was, he was not reporting. I, I didn't talk. I, I didn't talk to him about anything with football. Um, he had texted me about Matt Weiser signing um, during camp with the Tampa with, Bay Buccaneers with Tampa. And, uh, and then I said, how are you holding up through all this stuff? And he said, I'm doing all right, man. Just, just staying ready. And that was it. So he uh and that's the case because you could tell that he was not uh, he was not taking uh, taking it easy. He was not unready. <laughs> that's yeah, that's a fact. He was doing all right out there. All right, Joe, we've been teasing it uh to the listeners uh, coming up. I want to get your thoughts on uh on the Bills receiving core. And uh <clears throat> as a quarterback through a quarterback's lens, what are you seeing out of these guys? Do you think it's just lack of talent? Or, or is it uh, people want to point to effort? Uh, what is it? Is it maybe guys who don't seem to be on the same page, whether it be because of uh, still learning Brian Dable's system or Josh Allen throws too heavy of a ball? What's it, what are you seeing out of the uh, out of the receiving core? And, and is Josh Allen getting a fair shake from his uh, from his targets? I mean, I'll be honest with you, Tim. I had to I had to Google the the roster. To know some of these names, and that sounds horrible of me to yeah. say, but it's it's true. There's not a really big name guy on right. this on this receiving core other than Kelvin Benjamin, who we all agree has been underperforming and really not showing any effort. Um, he's averaging two catches for 29 yards since he's acquired by the Bills. And and there's a lot of stuff that goes into that. 
you know, they could be double teaming him. They could be playing him a certain way. But we've watched the games. I don't think that's necessarily the case. I mean, he's had a couple drops that are just in his hands that he's got to make those plays. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, Zay Jones is leading the team. McCoy's second. Charles Clay's third. It's They're not doing – they're not doing a lot. Uh, there's not a lot of. There's not a ton of talent in that room. Um, the effort's been poor, and it, they just haven't put it together yet. I think that we can, Mike. Feel free to debate me on it, but I, the receiver who I've been most impressed with this season through five games is Andre Holmes. Yeah, he's because well. he's the guy who's not supposed to be out there running routes. He's on the team to be a special teamer. And it's not as though they're getting great performances from Andre Holmes, but he's the only guy that is playing better than you'd expect. Those are the best guys, though, because those guys are fighting for a job. They're fighting for their livelihood. I mean, guys who are giving it their all on special teams, they're the guys who are staying after meetings and and, and asking Josh Allen certain questions about how you want him to break off on a curl route. What, what about when I'm running this comeback? What angle do you want me to take out of this break? Those are the guys who are always into it the most, and those are the guys who always produce. Right. Mike Rodak of ESPN.com, though, is shaking his head. He's 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 dithering as to whether or not Andre Holmes is a good answer. Dropped a pass in Minnesota, coming towards us in the press box in the Hey, that I'm not say, hey, I'm not saying that any of these yeah, guys should be surprise. going to the Pro Bowl. Had the interception. It's kind of me saying that that's the, what, that's the bar we're at right now. Well, yeah. I mean, he's sure he's been the best of the bunch. I, I'm not. Con- I'm not giving. I'm not throwing praise right, at Andre okay. Holmes. I'm making a point that that's that's what Josh Allen has at his, his own disposal. Struggles. Um, I mean, the interception on Sunday that was a good pass by Josh Allen. It hit Andre Holmes's hands and it just bounced off. Now, I will say when I asked Brian Dable about that on Monday. The first thing that he pointed to was the velocity of the pass from Josh Allen in a negative light, which <laughs> led me to ask the follow-up question: You know, how often is that the case where Josh Allen's cannons that he's pat that he's throwing are a problem for receivers? And that's when Dayball kind of got uncomfortable. He kind of his face got red, and he's like, "Oh, you know, it's just we got something we got to adjust to. He wasn't going to throw his QB under the bus, but he came pretty damn close to it." And yeah, I guess you could cut Andre Holmes some slack there, but he's he's limited. Get despite his size, I'd say he's limited athletically. I don't think he's the smoothest right in and out of his breaks. He's definitely not a great natural pass catcher. He has some speed, but I don't think it's ever really been used. Let me ask the question this way. I'll open it up to the floor to Bobby Rosati or resident producer or Jonah Bronstein or Joe Licata is here in studio with us, Mike Rodak. If you could clone any one receiver and put him at at all of the different spots that Josh Allen, you know, the X, the Y, the slot, uh, if you could clone, you have to pick one guy based on the five games you've seen this year, and who would it be? Because my my answer might be Andre Holmes. Yeah. I, you get again, you get what I'm asking, Jonah. I mean, it's if you could take any one player and and triple him or quadruple him and put him out there. Who would it be? Would you want four Kelvin Benjamins out there? Would you Zay want Jones four Zay Jones? Yeah, he hasn't been great, but at least he's, he's been invisible capable. at times. Yeah, he Andre didn't catch Holmes a pass catch. until there was hey. six minutes left in the game in uh, in Green Bay. Yeah, Holmes. That was kind of the book on him when he got here that he struggled to catch the ball. Right, he's good at a lot of different things, and teams seem to like having him on the team. Right, but he's never really going to be a main receiver because you know he's unreliable with his hands. 
Yeah, I. Yeah, I guess Zay Jones. I guess that Zay Jones is the answer. But yeah, he just disappears. He does. And one of the things you mentioned to me is sometimes it's hard to stay focused when you're not catching passes. It's kind of a. It's true. It's kind of a double edged or a oxymoron, I guess. That you know, the reason why you aren't catching passes is because you're not staying focused. But it's hard to stay focused when you're not catching passes. I don't know which one is is more significant there, but. That's one of the problems that he he brought up to me. What's your take, Joe, on uh, Josh Allen's accuracy so far? Do you think that um, who's to blame on a, on a lot of these incomplete passes? Well, so I, I think I had this conversation with you at one point, Tim. Like when 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 quarterbacks have inaccuracies, there's two reasons for it. For it, and one of them is biomechanical, which is their obviously their mechanics, their throwing mechanics. If they're opening up enough on that front hip, or if they're coming through the ball with their shoulder the right way, and, and the other one's a feel problem, and the the issue, the the bigger concern is if it's a feel issue. If it's a feel issue, you can't fix it. You either have it or you don't. Um, and I don't think a lot of Allen's issues are his feel issues. I think some of it's biomechanics. I mean, once he has a full off season, usually quarterbacks make great strides from year one to year two. What do you do? You see anything in the biomechanics? That- yeah, I mean he's a you know classic overstride guy. That's that's I mean Brady still is. Um, there's a couple things here and there that he'll 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 get coached up on in the off season. Um, I think he works with Jordan Palmer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jordan Palmer does a lot of great things. Tyree Jackson works with Jordan Palmer, loves him. Um, so he'll see his inaccuracies and work on it all all next off season. How difficult is it, though, to coach those things out of a quarterback? I know you're dealing with that all the time with younger kids, but once you get to be into your early 20s and that's kind of your your muscle memory right. is telling you that's how you want to throw the ball, whether it's a pitcher, uh, whether it's a, a quarterback, or whether it's a boxer, you know, and how you throw a punch well, uh, or how you take a punch. You know, there's all kinds of biomechanical stuff that get kind of embedded into your right. into your muscles. Well, these guys are such great athletes. And they're such higher level learners um, that they're able to make some of these little adjustments. And sometimes it's just a verbal cue. Um, one of Chad Pennington's big thing, instead of keeping your front shoulder closed when you're throwing the football longer, like every quarterback coach says, he'd say two-handed throw, keeping your left hand on the ball as long as you can, which is in turn keeping your front shoulder closed. So those little verbal cues will help guys like Josh Allen to not overstride, not that one in particular, but – these guys are such higher level learners. They've been doing it for so long that they can make these little adjustments because they're such great athletes. When you say overstride, what like what are you talking about exactly? Just um, when people say you step to throw, yeah, yeah, um, they take a twelve inch step as opposed to a six inch step, and then their bodies are okay. out of control because they're lunging to throw as Got opposed it. to stepping into their throw. Okay, that's what I feel like I see a lot from him too. Yeah, it's just the. I mean, maybe it makes him a gunslinger. We just see a lot of limb movement, and he's just kind of pushing the ball. Yeah. He's young. Field. He's young. Yeah. But you feel I'm not, that's I'm highly, no expert, though. You feel that's highly correctable? It's definitely correctable. It's definitely correctable. It's tough to correct, but it's definitely correctable. I mean, you look at you look, you look at the way Brady threw the ball at the beginning of his career versus the way he throws it now. I mean, he's worked with a guy named Tom House out in, out in uh, San Diego, I believe, um, the same guy Drew Brees works with. And that's all they focus on. Is Former keep, major league pitcher, right? Keeping the front their front shoulder tight and closed, and not overstriding. And he's got all these like little verbal cues. That Andy Dalton works with them. McCarron worked with them for a little bit. Peterman, Peterman works with them. 
What do you and before we get to the break, Joe, I want to get your thoughts on this just real quick. They just signed Derek Anderson, mm-hmm. uh, who has 14 years of experience in the NFL. And yeah, he can maybe be a, uh, a stabilizing uh, influencer uh, for Josh Allen and his development. But the idea that the Bills had a quarterbacks coach in David Cully who doesn't have any history coaching quarterbacks. And I, there's some belief that, uh, well, a coach is a coach. And uh, as long as he follows the orders of the head coach or whatever, I don't know. I don't even know how this happens. But your your thoughts on uh, have the Bills entrusting their young quarterback, even though Brian Dable's been around quarterbacks and coach quarterbacks at the NFL level and is an offensive coordinator, but to have that guy in that role, I I don't understand the point. Can well, you can you explain to me if I, there is a point? I think that it doesn't, or maybe it doesn't matter. No, it it matters. It matters because. I think that that's such a different position. I mean, the quarterback position is unlike anything else in sports. You got, you know, you got five guys every single play you want to take your head off, and you have another four running away from you that are trying to break away from other things, and you have to mentally know what's going on in your offense, how they're trying to break away from certain things, and deliver a football again while five people are trying to kill you. It's a different position. Um, And if you have not played that position or don't have experience having coached it, it's really tough to coach it. I, I, it's it's a really really tough position to coach because you have to be able to get inside the mind of of somebody who's back there and doing it. And you have to understand why they're making mistakes and why they're uh, checking the ball down or not checking the ball down. So if you haven't done it, if you haven't, you know, been in that spot when the bullets are flying, it's really tough to correct. Really tough to coach. It's a bizarre decision for the Bills to do that, and I think it's one that they're finally wising up to with this signing of of Derek Anderson. It, it reminds me. Well, the teams do this, and you think, how how can a team do this? But teams do it all over the place. You know, you take a look at uh, Juan Castillo, the Bills' offensive line coach right now, who was flipped over to be a defensive coordinator just out of nowhere. He's to replace Sean McDermott. McDermott. Uh, But there are weird coaching uh, deals like that. It reminds me of when I first started covering the NHL. Teams didn't have goalie coaches. One of the most important positions in all of sports – and teams, there there were a handful of teams in the NHL that had part-time guys, a guy who'd just come in maybe once uh, every week or so and work with the goalies. And now every team, of course, ha- of course, has a full-time goalie coach. But it just that was just 15 years ago that teams didn't uh, that it wasn't considered normal to have a, a full-time goaltender coach. But uh, all right, when uh, we come back, we're going to have uh, Jesse Kubinet. Uh, associate producer of Jimmy Kimmel Live and a Bills fan. He's going to join us and uh, more with uh, Joe Licata, my co-host, Big Crooked Mike Rodak, Jonah Bronstein handling the Facebook Live and uh, giving us some great thoughts so far on you name it. The guy does it all. That's why Jonah is is the Derek Anderson of the uh, Tim Graham show. (laughs) I thought I was the Derek Anderson. (laughs) Jonah's the... Taysom Hill, of the Tim Graham Show. Yeah, he's the uh, he's the Andre Holmes of the Tim Graham Show. The Brock and Bobby Rosani. Need to work on these. On the Tim Graham Show, brought to you by Viola Cummings and Lindsay LLP, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys here on Sports Radio twelve seventy. The Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show, hour number two. Tim Graham Show, both hours, brought to you by Viola Cummings and Lindsay, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys. Call 285-9555. Find them on the web at violacummingsandlindsay.com. Now, let me say that again because I just said it wrong. Find them on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. Lindsay with an A. That's right. No and in there. It's just violacummingslindsay.com. 
and uh, been looking forward uh, to this uh, next guest, Jesse Cubinet. He comes from uh, How you doing? Frisco, Texas, and went to Wheeling Jesuit in West Virginia, member of the swim team there. That's not what he's known for now, though. <laughs> he's an associate producer at Jimmy Kimmel Live, but a huge Bills fan, and people need to know. They're like, all right, so what, what gives? The guy should be a Cowboys fan, but no. He should be, uh, well, I don't know, what he, West Virginia, I guess a Steelers fan. No, that didn't happen. He's a Bills fan because why, Jesse? Uh, I have to look at the tape and then get back to you before <laughs> I really know why. Uh, but my whole family's from Buffalo. First of all, how you guys doing? Thanks for having me. Thanks for doing coming great. on, Jesse. I'm going to look at the of tape. Of course, of course. i got to look at the tape. Um, but no, I was born in Buffalo and moved um, outside of Dallas to Frisco, which is actually where the Cowboys' new uh, practice facility is, the Star. So if you ever hear I'm talking about the Star, I grew up like five minutes from where that is. But I've been in Bills fan my whole life. Um, early photo of me as a kid is, uh, I think, one-year-old at one of the Super Bowl. Um, well, it doesn't even really matter which Super Bowl it was. We all know what happened. Um <laughs> But yeah, just been a fan my entire life, and then my cousin John Cordo was actually on the team for a little bit. So I just saw even, him a couple weeks ago. Even deeper ties, yeah. In there, South Buffalo. What's what's he up to these days? Wait, do you know? Do you know what he's up to, Jesse? Can Joe Lakata, former UB quarterback and uh, yeah. former Tim Graham Show guest host, can he fill you in right now on what John Cordo's up to, or do you know? Yeah, I mean, I actually I haven't talked to John uh, in a minute, but last time I checked, he's he and his wife are just still popping out kids and then he's got a very successful vending machine business yep vending and he's machines. also a very large time and golf supporter oh very nice <laughs> or, i'm sorry time i didn't and, even time know and hockey, john time and hockey supporter but he played in the golf tournament a couple weeks ago oh nice i didn't know he was still playing golf he has a uh, his oldest son jj who's probably like maybe five now i think he just turned five is going to be a freak athlete He's the kid is just good at everything. He inherited everything from his dad. And John Cordo, he went to Orchard Park, okay, correct? Yep. So Orchard Park High School ends up uh, playing with the Buffalo Bills. Got a tryout, I think, as a favor to the family, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. I think Marv Levy used mm-hmm. to get his hair cut at his uh, or his hair or, uh, or his hair positioned. Whatever Marv used yeah. to have to do at uh, the Cordo. They put it on like Darth Vader's helmet, <laughs> right? <laughs> At the Cordo Family Salon, and he gets a tryout, and he ends up playing 43 NFL games between uh, 2008 and 2010, mostly on special teams. Bobby April, the Mm -hmm. special teams guru, loved John Cordo. I loved John Cordo. I was at ESPN at the time and used to interview him whenever I could. Um, But let's talk, uh, though, here, Jesse, about your career, uh, because this is fascinating to me, and as somebody who is a writer and you know, getting into sports writing is one thing, I think that there is a blueprint, but if anybody's ever grown up thinking about wanting to be a comedy writer, it's one thing, because I think you grow up also seeing people like David Letterman or Jay Leno, and you think, well, these are just really funny guys who they do all this stuff. They maybe just come up with all these lines, but... There, there are comedy writers, and there's an actual you can actually do it for a living, and you're living proof of this. How did you get into it? Yeah, well, it, it's funny you mention that because you're, that way of thinking, like you see a late night host, Letterman or, or Conan or somebody like that, or Jimmy, and you just think 
you know, these guys are just out there doing it. They're coming up with it and making it up. And when I was a kid, um, my mom was a bit of a night owl. She actually worked at Children's Hospital in, um, in Buffalo there and used to work nights. So she's always been kind of a, um, a night owl. And I remember vividly as a kid coming down, I was nine years old and she was catching the end of Letterman. And I thought I was about to get chewed away, just, you know, go back to sleep. And she actually said, oh, no, I think you'll like this. And so she threw on Letterman. I saw the end of that. And then she flipped over to Conan, who was on late night at the time um, at 1235. And I was hooked. It totally blew my hair off. Uh, I I couldn't believe the stuff he was doing. And I got to just start watching it. And I originally said, is he just making this up? She said, no, he has a whole team of writers that help him come up with this. And that was the moment where I was like, all right, that's what I'm going to do. That's what I want to do. We're in conversation with Jimmy Kimmel Live, associate producer Jesse Kubinett, uh, who is known, I think, and please correct me if I'm wrong, I did as much research as I could on you, Jesse, but uh, your big uh, your big contribution, at least on a regular basis there at Jimmy Kimmel Live, is This Week in Unnecessary Censorship, which is one of the funniest mm-hmm. ongoing bits in late-night television, and I've loved it for years. I, I just coincidence that I happened to... Uh, find a Bills fan who happen, who uh, who writes the thing. Um, and also, I, I just want to give a little bit more of your background for the listeners here. Used to work with sure. Conan O'Brien and uh, mm-hmm. got uh, your, I guess, your seminal uh, beginnings uh, at uh, the Second City in Chicago, which is such a huge platform for anybody who's getting their start in comedy. Uh, and also, I want to point out uh, to people out there who might want to do a little research, uh, Jesse Kubinett, uh, with his poignant role in the film short "Closed Caption Pornography," uh, you should catch that. Out, uh, check that out uh, for sure. Uh, but, uh, but Jesse, uh, yeah, what goes into putting this week in unnecessary censorship together? Well, first of all, your uh, research is scary good. Everything's very dead on. Um, I actually didn't even know there was that much about me out there. Um, but censorship is something that we basically start working on it as soon as the last one is finished. Um, and we do a show Monday through Thursday, typically. Occasionally, we'll do a Friday show. Uh, next week, for example, we're going to be doing a week of shows from Brooklyn, and we'll do a show Monday through Friday. Uh, but typically, censorship runs in the monologue at the end of the week. And the way Jimmy intros it is we bleep and blur the big TV moments of the week, whether they need it or not. And so as soon as censorship ends on Thursday and we go into Friday, we're watching anything and everything from the news and TV to make for this bit. So it's really seven full days that go into probably 90 seconds <laughs> that'll make it on the air. But we really just watch everything and you listen for stuff that could potentially work. Uh, for example, the word fracking typically works um you might imagine what that word translates to but you just listen for everything and it's watching a lot of news which has been obviously a big part of the last few years but i've been able to sneak a few buffalo personalities in there Uh, i got tyrod a few times from his postgame pressers and i think rex ryan a few times when he was around too and there's some visuals that you can work into. It's not all just uh, audio, right? I mean, there's there's the occasional exactly. uh, meteorologist with a, you know, may have something there on his map. 
a large map, yeah, which, you know, again, you can imagine what that is. And then uh, another personal favorite, because there's a lot of uh, a lot of the guys that I, I do this with are also sports fans, and so somebody getting rubbed down on, uh, on the sideline of some sort usually lends itself to a pretty graphic blur, if you can get it. Yeah, well, it's fantastic stuff. And if people aren't familiar with the show, just just Google Jimmy Kimmel Live and this week in unnecessary censorship, and uh, and you'll emerge an hour and a half later. You know, having lost a good chunk oh, of your day, but it's uh, it is a real, great stuff. Uh, a recent one, a recent one we just did. Uh, I'll say my personal favorite that I think I've ever done. It's from last week's. Um, the, it's the ending. We try to end with a big one, so we usually end with like a cartoon or something along those lines. And I actually blurred um, some WWE Monday Night Raw uh, from this past week. So go check that one out. That's that seems like low-hanging fruit there. It's I was never a huge wrestling fan. I watched it a little bit as a kid. But watching it now under this lens, it is so much fun. We're in conversation with Jimmy Kimmel Live associate producer Jesse Cubanet, And uh, I want to get back to football. And I'm going to read a quote to sure. you. This is from a Q&A mm-hmm. that you did that ran on Medium.com. And uh, you said, I remember a high school guidance counselor asked me, if you could do anything in the world, what would it be? And my honest answer was NFL punter. It's not the most glamorous gig, but if you're good at it, you can have a job for a really long time. It has all the perks of being in the NFL without taking massive hits every play, ideally. And even though I have none of the skills necessary, punter seems like a great job. Now, your punter Corey Bjorquez, uh on Sunday uh, was uh, mm-hmm. a fun, he gave a nice rebuttal uh, to your uh, to your punters never taking massive hits and and not having to do anything tricky. Um, I guess that just uh, is a doorway for me to open up the, with the question: How do you think your Bills are doing? Well, Bobcat Bjork has made punters around the world look foolish on Sunday. That was. Truly terrible. The one thing I'll give him, he's got, when it comes to being a punter, you just got to do your job and no one should ever know your name. None of us should know his name. He should just come out, kick the ball, hold it, and drink Gatorade on the sideline. Those are the perks of being a punter. The things that come with it, you need a decent number, number nine, pretty solid. You need a good-looking helmet, not the weird one-bar face mask. He's got that good. Now, a huge, huge part of being a punter Please know if it's a fake field goal or if it's not a fake field goal when you're holding it. That is absolutely crucial. And he made punters uh, and hopeful punters like myself everywhere look foolish on Sunday. When when you reached out to me about coming on the show, this was supposed to be lamenting another Bills loss, if I recall that correctly. We figured as much. Uh, yeah, we thought we'd be talking about uh, – one and four, and here they are, two and, and three. And here we are at the start of a 13-3 and three Super Bowl run. <laughs> That's true. Hmm. And because Josh Allen is Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, and so here's the thing. I, I hate comparisons, but one thing I looked in this week uh, after the game on Sunday was Ben Roethlisberger's rookie season just because a lot of people were comparing Josh to him you know, before uh, we even had him on the roster, just going through the draft based on his body size and things like that. And I actually remember watching a ton of uh, early Ben Roethlisberger when I was younger because I think as a kid I had a Jerome Bettis jersey and I was a little bit on the heavier side. So I 
really aligned well with the bus as being a you know a chubby kid. And that early 2004 season with Ben Roethlisberger, first of all, I understand he had a completely different team around him, but he did have Jerome Bettis, Deuce Staley, and Willie Parker. And I just remember they ran the ball a ton. <laughs> and on Sunday, that's what I was thinking when I was watching this game. Let's run the ball as much as we can. I think they only wanted Josh to throw it like 15 times. He ended up throwing it 19, I think. Um, and the one throw with Andre Holmes was just a disaster. But basically, I would love for them to keep doing that. Just run the ball, run the ball like crazy. And the difference here, again, the Steelers went 13-1 and with Roethlisberger starting that year. And when he did have to throw it, he did not have what Josh had to deal with. He had... Heinz Ward, Antoine Randall and pre-gunshot wound Plaxico Burris. So he had much better things at his disposal. The Steelers that year threw only 358 passes all season and ran. He didn't throw 30 one game. Yeah. yeah, he didn't throw it over 30 times in one game. I think it was like 28 was the most he threw it. And uh, Allen's already thrown over 30 twice, I think. Maybe, maybe three times. I'm not. Pro football reference is free, so I don't know how accurate it is. I think it's it's highly accurate because, well, I hope it is because I'm quoting it all the time. I, uh, Me too. So you're the you're the voice of the fan here, uh, Jesse Cubinet of uh, Jimmy Kimmel Live. Uh, mm-hmm. Where are you on the idea of trading LaShawn McCoy uh, for, well, obviously if you do, you're trading him for 2019, for 2020, for down the road, and uh, throwing away – this season as uh, as hopeless for the playoffs? I go back and forth seemingly every minute on this. Uh, when the news broke, I think it was yesterday that this was getting kicked around for real with Philly after the Jay Ajayi thing, who, by the way, Jay Ajayi, uh, Frisco High School, or uh, I'm sorry, Frisco Liberty High School uh, alumni, so one of my high school's rivals, um, when he tore his ACL or whatever in, in Philly, I was like, okay, maybe this, maybe this will actually work. And my thing with Shady is he has been really fun to watch um, for some games during his time with the Buffalo Bills. So I wouldn't want to send him, you know, to a bad situation. If we did send him somewhere, I would want him to get a shot to go to the playoffs again. I do like watching him play. It's just hard for me to, justify doing that he's the one nice thing that bills fans have had the the one redeeming uh, move that doug whaley pulled off was when when lashawn mccoy was thrown in his lap uh, and he had uh he giggled uh, as he told the pagulas that uh, the the uh the chip kelly who's having a great season at ucla uh already he's killing it out here yeah he's he's killing the program that yeah. uh, that they were to throw LaShawn McCoy at the Bills, at least the Bills fans could say, we, find, we, we can actually get something right every now and then. But here he is yeah. three, four years later and no closer to uh, helping them do anything other than just make one playoff appearance. I really don't know what to do. The one reason I would be okay with it, too, is the way they played in Minnesota. And obviously that's a very easy game to point out. They played out of their mind, but the play calling was so fun. They were running sweeps and doing little dump offs to Marcus Murphy and Chris Ivory totally proved me wrong when we signed him in the off season. I thought that was a huge mistake and he played great in that game. 
Um, I, I really don't know. Here's how I am with the Bills this season. After you know both wins, I'm on cloud nine. The whole week is great. After the losses, I'm not fun to be around until maybe Wednesday afternoon when the cloud passes and I start to drop the, I'm never watching again, I'm done. And then it starts to come around, get ready for Thursday night football. Okay, getting back into the football mood. I'll watch again on Sunday, and then the uh, the feeling tends to repeat itself. So I don't know. I just want to see progress this year. I want to see Josh hopefully start to get the reins together. One thing I will say about Josh, and I think I mentioned this to you, Tim, he seems to be the football robot I've always wanted. And a football robot is someone who is football, 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 24-7. And I think that's not affected by he's not affected by anything. And that's what I've always dreamed of in a quarterback. I well, one last question, Jesse, before we let you go. And this is something that I've talked to Nick Bakai about. I don't know if you've crossed paths with Nick, but uh, writes. We uh, have uh, exchanged emails a little bit, too. Nick's a really nice dude. Huge Bills fan. Of course, he's from Buffalo. Mm -hmm. And a uh, comedy writer for a long time, for decades out out there in Los Angeles, uh, writing for the uh, sitcom Mom and uh, Paul Blart, Mall Cop, and a bunch of other things with uh, Kevin James over the years, King of Queens. Um, but I've asked him or talked to him about the misery of being a Bills fan and, and how in some ways it, it will influence his comedy writing uh, or the fact uh, or maybe the comedy is, is therapeutic. How, does your Bills fandom... Uh, in, impact your job at all? I think it definitely does. Um, like I said, on a Monday, if we win on a Monday, I'm in a much better mood, and I'm way more down to watch a weird, you know, interview on CNN uh, and try to pull some comedy out of it rather than being in a terrible mood. We just get you know shellacked by the Ravens by forty points uh, after waiting all summer to watch this team. I think it definitely. Uh, plays in. I'm more likely to go home on a Sunday following a win and write some jokes and write some sketches than I am if we get blown out of the water and I had to drop $40 on a bar tab to watch it. So winning is, it's good for everybody. I think, isn't there stories where it's proven that Buffalo, the whole city is more productive on a Monday following a win? Well, I don't it's hard to say because it doesn't happen often enough. I think that, uh, <laughs> exactly. I think that Buffalo. Well, <laughs> it, <laughs> that's uh, that's our producer Bobby Rosati throwing in a couple extra chuckles. <laughs> uh, so, does this week in unnecessary censorship get darker after a Bills loss? Uh, maybe a little more punitive. I think after a Bills loss, uh, you're less likely to see Bills personnel in the bit uh, than following a win, because if we're following a win, I'm more likely to watch all the press conferences and be excited about it. I see. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, if you can get, and we can also start to work together on this, you're at those pre- press conferences. If you can get Sean McDermott to say, they kicked our butts, or we kicked their butts, that will end up in censorship. Oh, I see. Almost guaranteed. Yeah, okay, I can see where Almost that is. Guaranteed. I don't want to ruin it. I don't there want to have go. a spoiler, but yeah, okay, I had to think about <laughs> it for a second. But yes, 
All right, also, I'll try that. I have, I have I'll get him idea. to say fracking. I'll ask him about the Pagoulas fracking business. Talk to him about fracking. I, I have an idea for you as well with uh, Sean McDermott, and I think this will open up a uh, thing for all reporters. We need to fly me out to a game, and I think this really only works after a loss. They lose. I'll, I need press credentials. You need to give, give me some athletic press credentials. I'm in there for the press conference, and before he even gets a chance to say anything, I'll ask him how he feels about getting to look at the tape. <laughs> That's the first question out, because then it erases his answers for I have to look at the tape. We'll see how he feels about getting to look at the tape, and then we can really get some questions going. Well, wow. Well, I like it, and it's, it's genius. And We've now telegraphed it. He's going to be ready for it now. Uh, because like Does you and this week in unnecessary censorship, there are people who are there. There are people in the Bills' mm-hmm. front office who are going to scour all audio, and this radio show <laughs> will be listened to. I'm going to look so at the tape. He's going to get he's the got to look at the tape. Jesse Cubanet. Hopefully, we can do this again. Anytime, anytime, you guys. And also, Tim. Uh, like I said, the athletic and everything's been fantastic. You guys are doing a really good job. And uh, in your last article, Dion Dawkins said he wants to open a Chick-fil-A. Yes. And uh, if you could pass along, I'm really interested in, in getting in on that with him, uh, <laughs> co-owning a Chick-fil-A. I have no capital, so it would be mostly his, uh, his backing, but I'm, I'm on board. I eat there a lot. So okay. Well, out. you do have some connections. Maybe they'll be, you know, mm-hmm. he'll, be, uh, he'll be open to that. And hey, let me say this, right. too, by the way. Jimmy Kimmel Live is going to be in Brooklyn uh, doing live yes. shows next week at the Brooklyn Academy of Music. And uh, these tickets are free. I mean, you can come and see these shows, uh, late-night television, if you have the chance to see it. I saw a Jimmy Kimmel show years ago. It was it was terrible because uh, <laughs> the guest was supposed to be Serena Williams, which was bad enough. I was like, oh, great. But I was staying at the, my wife and I were staying at the Marriott across the street, uh, and we decided, well, we'll go check it out. It's you know Serena Williams, whatever. And uh, she had to pull out, and uh, it, Chris Berman was the fill-in, uh, the host <laughs> or the uh, guest, lead guest for that night, which was even not a huge Chris Berman fan. But anyway, uh, you can get tickets. You can sit in the audience, the studio audience, for free. Go to one, the number one, iota dot com, uh, and get your tickets uh, if you happen to be spending some time in uh, New York City this upcoming weekend. Jesse Cubanet, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, guys. Yeah, you have a great week, and uh, hopefully we can get a win going this week. All right. Well, we'll maybe we'll wait right. till after a brutal loss, and we'll get your take after that. I have, so I'll talk to you next week, then. All right. <laughs> All right. Jimmy Kimmel, live associate guys. producer, Jesse Cuminet joining us. That was a uh, great one. Uh, Bobby, thank you for uh, letting us uh, go a little longer on that one. Uh, we're going to have uh, Joel Staniszewski. He's going to be on the line from Vegas coming up. We're going to talk about uh, gambling and uh, this week's games on the Tim Graham Show, brought to you by Viola Cummings and Lindsay, LLP, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys. Sports writer Tim Graham, the Tim Graham Show. Now, Buffalo's live and local sports talk on Sports Radio 1270, the fan, the Tim Graham Show. Against because of your disability, race, color, religion, national origin, sex, or familial status, call your local Fair Housing Center. File a complaint. Make something happen. Fair housing is your right. Use it. Call Housing Opportunities Made Equal at 716-854-1400 or visit homeny.org. Double Double Old Car Trouble. 
breakdowns can burst your bubble. James Provenzano here from James Mitsubishi. James, what kind of hocus pocus are you up to now? This week, I'm working my magic to help you drive a new Mitsu with a payment that's perfect for you. So if your old ride is making your blood boil, trade it in today because only James Mitsubishi is paying four grand minimum for your old ride. You could be driving a new 2018 Eclipse Cross for just $2.98 per month. Zero down, including tax and fees. It's not a lease. You own it. James, I've always found you bewitching, but these deals are charming. That's because I want to help you get a bootiful new ride. But James, what if my credit is scary? Don't run and hide. My For the People credit approval process casts a spell on the bankers. We get almost anyone approved, and I'm paying four grand minimum for your trade-in. So come see me, James Provenzano, your dealer for the people, only at James Mitsubishi on Camp Road in Hamburg, or online at jamesmitsubishihamburg.com. Offers don't combine. Credit requires bank approval. Minimum trade-in offer includes rebates. Eclipse stock number N2042. Amount finance 21947 Loan structure 84 months at 3.9% APR. Listen to the Tim Graham Show every Wednesday from 4 to 6 p.m. on Sports Radio 1270 The Fan with me, Tim Graham of The Athletic, and my co-host, the big crooked, Mike Rodak of ESPN.com. The Tim Graham Show is brought to you by Viola Cummings and Lindsay, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys. Call 285-9555 or visit them on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. CBS Sports Radio. Results may vary. Not a solicitation for legal services. If you owe the IRS back taxes, payroll taxes, or have not filed your returns, the IRS will get you. They can take your property, take you to court, even put you in jail. With one call to wall, you'll never need to talk to the IRS again. Our average client settles for about 10% of what is owed. We offer free face-to-face consultations in your local area. Call 800-727-0433. That's 800-727-0433. By the time that we got up there, his room was filled with smoke. The wind had blown and drifted the snow up against the side of my house, blocking the exhaust from my furnace. I heard the smoke alarm going off in my friend's apartment. Without the kid a smoke alarm, my son would not be here today. Had it not been for that carbon monoxide detector, they would come to school and not have their teacher there. I grabbed my fire extinguisher and put out the fire. Kinemakes technology that saves lives. Get these essential products at your local retailer today. It's Tim Graham, the Tim Graham Show. Now on Sports Radio 1270, the fan. The Tim Graham Show. Taking your calls at 270 1270 on Sports Radio 1270, the fan. Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show here on Sports Radio 1270, the fan. The show is brought to you by Viola Cummings and Lindsay. Or- Workers' Compensation and Personal Injury Attorneys. Call 285-9555. Visit them on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. Mike Rodak took exception with uh, Jesse Kubinitz's comparison to Ben Roethlisberger, saying that they're not even close, to which As rookies, I I thought that Roethlisberger had a great season that year. Well, yeah, it helps when you only have to throw 15 passes a game and you're handing off to Deuce Staley and Jerome Bettis, and you have three pro bowlers on your – two all-pros on your offensive line and another pro bowler in a future Hall of Famers on the defense. I agree. I'm not disputing that. All right. So then how can you compare? It's like the Pat Mahomes-Josh Allen comparison. How can you – you can't compare. This, the situations are totally different. Sure. Well, you're a hell of a co-host. <laughs> <laughs> I think you can compare. Uh, it, you have to – put that other stuff into context to make it a fair comparison, but I think you can look at a guy that came in as a rookie and 
did his job well and was promising and actually helped make guys around him better and look at a guy who hasn't done that yet. Mike's bailing from the conversation by giving short answers, so let's bring in Joe Licata. There we go. Former UB quarterback and uh, Bishop Timon St. Jude head coach and, and athletics director. Don't forget that. He's got to make sure all those buses run on schedule. <laughs> Your thoughts on Drew Brees breaking Peyton Manning's record. And I know that you are a huge, huge Tom Brady fan. Yep. But Drew Brees is up there for you, too. So to see him do what he's done, he was an afterthought, really, in the NFL. I, I know he was the second quarterback drafted in his class, if I remember, Craig. I think it was Mike Vick and then... Drew Brees went 32nd overall that year. But still, for San Diego to give up on him, for the Dolphins to pass on him instead of uh, – they took Dante Culpepper as a free agent instead of Drew Brees. And then to look at where he's at now, Joe. I mean, can you put it into words? <laughs> uh, no. Put it into more words than Mike Rodak put his Ben Roethlisberger rebuttal well, I into. I can do that. That's pretty That's pretty simple. But, I mean, you kind of touched on it. The, the, the storyline of it is unbelievable. I mean, he takes. They're trying to get rid of him in San Diego. He takes that terrible hit. He can't even move his arm, and he and he rehabs and comes back and uh, chooses between the Dolphins and the and the Saints. And come to find out, the Dolphins don't even want him. So he goes to the Saints, who were just recovering from that hurricane. And they kept saying it the other night when he was breaking that he was he was the hero that New Orleans needed. Um, and if you read his book, it's uh, it's pretty impressive when he talks about the hidden power and adversity and coming back stronger and he just uh he's an impressive person let alone an impressive quarterback and I I think he's just cemented his in my opinion he cemented himself as the second greatest quarterback of this era he gets forgotten a lot because everybody wants to talk about Manning Brady and that's it and then maybe you want to bring in of course you go back Favre 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 kind of leaks into that era a little bit but yeah Rodgers is always well, generally the third guy mentioned, right, right? Right. And then people really, when they want to talk about an underrated guy, they'll bring in maybe Philip Rivers. Yeah. Um, but Drew Brees has just been doing it down there. And you, you, I, I know you brought in some uh, examples as to uh, the the targets that these guys have been throwing to. Yeah. I mean, I just I just was trying to compare Peyton and and uh, and Brees, and I look at Brees' top five guys. He's got Marquise Colson, Jimmy Graham, Lance Moore. <laughs> uh, Henderson, Michael Thomas, that's his top five. And you look at Peyton's, it's Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne, Dallas Clark, Edron James, Demarius Thomas. I mean, who would you rather throw the, four throw hall the ball of, to? Probably four Hall of Famers there, who, right? Who would you rather throw the ball to? Does I mean, Dallas Clark make the Hall of Fame? No. He's close, though. He's got to be close down the road. Yeah, that'll, mm. be, in, that'll be an interesting one. Mm. But obviously Reggie Wayne and uh, Marvin Harrison it, are Hall of Famers, yeah. and Edger and James, James will get in. Soon, yeah. Demarius. Eh. No, I mean, but he, I was thinking I would, Dallas Clark. Might, I would much might... rather throw the ball to Peyton's, yeah. Peyton's guys than, than Breeze's guys. And, and everyone always wants to bring up stats with, with Peyton, and it's just shown that Breeze has, has surpassed all of his stats. I mean, his completion percentage is two points higher. He throws for 12.5 more yards per game. Um, his interception percentage is is, is lower. Um, he's got more yards. He's going to end up with more touchdowns. He's got a way higher quarterback rating. Um, I'm sorry, not way higher, only a point and a half. But uh, <laughs> I was looking at the season. But um, I, I just I just think he's a better all time quarterback than Peyton Manning is. 
I agree. And and, and if you want to bring in <laughs> if you want to bring in Super Bowls, if you want to bring in Super Bowls and talk about Peyton's quote unquote Super Bowls, and my you want to compare these guys? Hey, head to head, Drew Brees won his Super Bowl against Peyton right. Manning, and, and Peyton's they both have one in the in the quarterback comparison. You want to you want to say Peyton has two? He he was throwing. You would have been better off throwing with your left arm in that in that playoff run that they had with with uh, Denver. Drew Brees has had to carry some super lousy defenses over the course of his career, and that is the thing that I think is was one of the bigger wastes uh, in that you look back in NFL history of a career of a quarterback's career is that the Saints just could never put together a decent enough defense to to maximize having one of the all-time great quarterbacks. Right. I think we'll look back in ten years or so and wonder how Drew Brees got only one uh, one Super Bowl. Uh, Joe Licata, thanks for coming in. Great to Absolutely. have you here and uh, to talk about Josh Allen and and his season so far, to talk about the University at Buffalo and Khalil Mack, and it was just great to have you back, and I know that uh, you got to take off. Um, but um, It sounds like you're having some trouble with your co-host, so if you ever need a guy, give me a call. Yeah, I, I think free, it's... Uh, sometime in November. <laughs> I forgot to wind him up you're before the, Derek the show Anderson, So it's <laughs> over-under on like three and a half shows until you're starting. When we come back, we're going to have Joel Staniszewski on the line from Vegas. He's going to talk to us about uh, the Bills uh, game, which uh, right now they're a 10-point underdog, but that game's off the board because Ooh. of Deshaun Watson's... Uh, mm mysterious status he said he was going today but the the sports books might not be ready to believe him yet the, that game hasn't been posted in a lot of places and we'll talk about why that is and uh, what we should expect moving forward as the betting line moves here on the tim graham show brought to you by viola cummings and Lindsay, your workers compensation and personal injury attorneys Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show, brought to you by Viola Cummings and Lindsay, LLP, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys. Call 285-9555. Visit them on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. Brought back the show. Brought us back from the dead. Thank you, Viola Cummings and Lindsay. My personal injury and workers' compensation attorneys. You know who's on the line? From Buffalo to Las Vegas, it's Joel Staniszewski. The bills make me wanna The best gambling advice from Vegas. It's Joel Staniszewski. Joel Staniszewski, the pride of Buff State. He's been out in Las Vegas for 20 years or so as an odds maker, a handicapper, and an industry analyst. And he joins the Tim Graham Show every week to give us a rundown of what's happening in the world of bets and such and how it pertains to the Buffalo Bills. Joel, how was your, uh, your Bills-Titans experience? It was awesome. I loved it. Loved every second of it. The game got to like five and a half points. Everybody just kept throwing money at the Titans. Yeah, they kept they kept betting the Titans. Um, you know, the Titans to me are, are very similar to like Jacksonville. They got a good defense. They have a good run game, but their quarterback is is questionable. And uh, and that was shown in the game. They didn't. They just couldn't get it done against the Bills D. Now the Bills on Sunday going up against the Houston Texans. That's that game is in Houston, of course, and uh, Deshaun. 
Watson is uh, questionable, although he says he's going to play today. Uh, the books really aren't buying it quite yet. I'm seeing that uh, there are a lot of places that aren't even posting this uh, game so far. Uh, it opened as uh, the Bills being a 10-point underdog, which was a surprise to me, and a surprise to Eric Wood. I was talking to him yesterday, and he was he was shocked to see uh, – Houston be such a heavy favorite. Oh, although the books are starting to trickle in now. Uh, oh, some of yeah. them are now posting anywhere from eight and a half. Uh, you get them at nine and a half somewhere. Um, what's just, how does it work when you have such an important player uh, and you don't know if he's going to be available or not? Uh, how do the books handle that? Uh, that's what they call a circled game. So a circled game is when you have uh, an extremely important person possibly not playing, or as the season progresses, a game that has no meaning, you know, a team that's out of the playoff hunt, that type of stuff. And usually what books will do then is take half their limits. So if you're a uh, book that takes, you know, $10,000, that's your limit, uh, you'll cut that down to 5000 on sides and then cut your totals down to maybe $2,000. And their limits that they put out there are usually for your sharp betters, your locals, your 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 uh, your guys that are trying to, to get a good number, those type of players, the sharp guys. If you're a big casino player, limits don't mean anything, and circled games don't mean anything. When a big casino player comes to the door and they say, hey, I want to bet Buffalo-Houston, and the game's not on the board, if it's a big enough player, they'll put it on the board, let him bet it, take it back down. Now, the circled bets, I'm guessing that what that does is it limits losses in case of somebody knowing information that isn't out there for the general public. And when you have these situations where is a quarterback going to play or is he not, uh, how many um, series or how many quarters are the starters going to play when they've already clinched a a postseason berth, that's information that people can have uh, that isn't from an injury report or isn't just based on the analytics or crunching the numbers. Is that right? Yeah, it's a little bit of everything. Uh, the, the last thing a book wants to do is, say, take the Bills plus, have someone lay a huge bet on the Bills plus 10, and then it comes out that uh, Watson's not playing and Brandon, Brandon Whedon's going to play instead, and that 10 drops to, say, 5. And then somebody comes and lays a huge bet on Houston minus 5, that game lands seven, they lose everything. So they're really trying to just limit uh, all the red that they're going to see in their in their on their books when they're looking at their numbers and their bets. They, everyone obviously has, you know, their computers up and they have the running tally of all their bets and wagers on what side at what number, so they know exactly where they want a game to land and exactly where they don't want a game to land. So if they take huge bets on sides or totals, even and then a, a quarterback like Deshaun Watson's out and a backup like Brandon Whedon is in that line and total is going to change tremendously, and they just don't want that to be that vulnerable to a, uh, to a game landing right in the middle of their, of their numbers. On the line from Vegas, it's Joel Staniszewski, St. Joe's alum and pride of Buff State. I know it gets repetitive after a while, but I know you love it so much. <laughs> I, I, know I, you, I do. I know you love your Bengals and your Marauders. You got it. Right? St. Joe's are the Marauders, right? St. Joe's are the Marauders, okay. that's right. So... Um, the Bills being a 10-point road dog here in this game, uh, does 
the game in Minneapolis against the Vikings, of course, surprised everybody. But then they they are uh, an upset winner again at home against the Titans. Ten seems large to me, and I guess that the betting public also finds it large because they're betting it down, or or that uh, is that just because they're banking that maybe Watson doesn't play and they're going to get some value. Yeah, the, people are. I would assume that people that when they put it up, they took some bets. And then when it came out that he was questionable, because I didn't even hear about him being questionable until like Monday or Tuesday. Uh, so obviously, anyone who bet that probably bet it because of the because of a ten point dog, a double digit dog. And the Bills have been have won as a double digit, huge double digit dog in Minnesota, and then as a four to five point dog against Tennessee. So they're they're really hot and cold. We're back in that in that sweet spot where the Bills are, where they're just Every other week, you don't know which team is going to show up, and and people are just kind of trying to play into that and and see what type of value they can get for a team like like you're saying. Ten is a high is a high number uh, for a team like Houston that is supposed to be that great team that's supposed to make the playoffs and JJ Watt's healthy and Deshaun Watson's healthy and if they're not going to be healthy and they're not going to be ready to go, I mean that's that's way too big of a number for a team that. So far this year is only one and four against the spread. That being uh, Houston, so they're they're winning games. Well, they're you know two and three, just like the Bills are, uh, but they're only one and four against the spread. So they're losing their games. Obviously, they're also barely winning games. Uh, so a team that's been losing or barely winning games as a ten point favorite is is a lot, a lot of points. Now these circle games where. Uh, generally, it's a quarterback that's out because we've had this discussion before. Really, there aren't any players that can approach uh, the significance that a quarterback has to his team. But can you give an example of a non-quarterback that might take a, a game off the board? <sighs> a game off the board? I can't. I honestly, maybe like an AJ Green or a Julio Jones. Uh, like a, 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 a definitely has to be an impact player, um, an Ezekiel Elliott, like one of those. Star players, Ladanian Tomlinson back in the day. Yeah, and that's it's usually going to be an offensive player. Usually, nine times out of ten, it's going to be an offensive player, and eight out of those nine times will be a quarterback. Those Le'Veon Bell, those uh, you know, and Antonio Browns. Those are the type of people that might take a game down or limit a game. Uh, very rarely, I, I couldn't even think of a of a defensive player off the top of my head as great as J.J. Watt and Khalil Mack and those type of players are. I can't even think of a player today that would um, affect a line or or have a game be off the board. I could think the last person I could probably think of off the top of my head would be like Troy Polamalu, and they probably wouldn't even take the game down. They'd probably just take it down a half a point and just roll the dice and see what's going on. But there's there's very few players that aren't quarterbacks that would take a game off the board. Do you, or have you been following the University of Buffalo and their betting? That's not something that people in Western New York are generally attuned to, but with them playing so well and being a little bit higher of a profile this year, uh, is that something that uh, you've been following? It definitely is. Um, I've I've been following um, the University of Buffalo for, for quite some time since I've been out here. Uh, which is 14 years, not 20. 14 years I've been out here, um, but it's uh, it, when you're if you're very knowledgeable and really follow uh, small market teams and, and small conference teams, you can really do well 
in betting. Uh, I remember uh, when I was managing in running wagering, uh, every Tuesday was uh, Florida Atlantic and Florida International. Those teams were always playing on Tuesday nights. And that was when they had T.Y. Hilton. And those numbers were always wrong on teams like that. Or you, not necessarily always wrong, but you could do well if you really kept close eye on, on those type of teams that had good players and had NFL caliber players, a few here and there, you know, where you're talking about FIU or University of Buffalo or Richmond or those type of teams, you can actually, you know, do very well for yourself just following those teams and trying to pick off those, those good numbers. What's been interesting uh, in tracking the UB Bulls? I think the, the most exciting part for me is, is when they talk about how we have two potential first-round draft picks uh, playing on offense. I think that's, that's great to watch, and it's, it's fun to sit there and, and see a team like the University of Buffalo uh, have some offensive star power that, I mean, it's been years since they, we've had any type of buzz. Anything unusual uh, for, from a betting standpoint that you see? Other than their, really. their favorite probably a lot more than, their, than we're the used favorite, to. Yeah, favored a lot more than they're, than they're used to. Um, and what what I thought was odd was um, the last game, they were favored by six or six and a half, and they won by ten, I want to say. And all those reports, whether it was from you know sports betting people or, or sports websites, was like, oh, UB holds on to win. But they won by double digits, and they covered the spread. Like, that's not holding on. Holding on would be like, they came back and scored the last minute to win the game, but didn't cover the spread. If you cover the spread and it's a touchdown, it's not barely holding on. It's covering the spread and winning by 10 points. Yeah, I think that's so the uh, Western New York sports fan cynicism or skepticism because they built up a nice, healthy lead, and then Central Michigan actually played competitively down the stretch. And uh, that's probably like, oh, geez, it's a nail-biter. You just assume the worst when you're a Right, when you're no matter for what your... the lead is. If, it, if you're watching a Buffalo sports team, it doesn't matter what the lead is. You're always like, well, they could do this, this, and this, and this, and lose the game. So not over yet. So I'm, I'm very familiar with that. I just was watching the Sabres and Golden Knights play the other day, and they were up, you know, four to one, and I was like, oh, "It's not over yet," you know. So Jonah Bronstein so mentions is uh, UB is uh, twelve and a half point uh, favored this week over. What is it? Akron. Akron. Oh, Akron. they lost to last year. Right. Akron's a good team. Uh, that's a big spread. Yeah, Akron's it is. A solid uh, team. The Zips. They're a good team. That's a lot of points, and that's a number that certain bookmakers, especially people that I have a good rapport with. That's a horrible number. Twelve and a half is like the worst number. It's such a dead number. It's, and what do you mean by that? It's a game's not going to land on twelve. I mean, the maybe more likely with college because of of, of kicking woes and two point conversions and stuff like that. But twelve and two is such a it's such a dead number. Either go to two and a half or twelve and a half or even twelve and a half is a it's not really a good number. It's just. It's a very bad number. It's, that, that's just like lazy bookmaking. That's just going on your computer and looking at offshore books and seeing what they have up because they're usually the first ones to put up a number, and you just copy and paste it. That's just lazy bookmaking. Do you? Uh, all right. So uh, your your play, if you had to, if you had to play the uh, Bills and uh, Texans, let's assume it stays at. Uh, I'll just say nine and a half. If Deshaun Watson plays and uh, Houston, too high. Yeah. Okay. I think it's too high, and I think uh, the total is a bit high. Um, like some, they, they put them up and they take them down. It's About forty-one points. Seen, 
41. Uh, I think it's a little high. Um, I think both teams have really good defenses. Uh, we have a rookie quarterback who's obviously prone to make a few errors. Uh, so, but I think both teams are do have trends for unders. Uh, the total has gone under Buffalo's uh, five of their last seven games. Five of their last seven games um, when playing against Houston. Uh, Houston is not only this; they're one in nine against the spread their last ten games, um, and they've gone under five of their last seven games as well. So they're under teams. They're they're they both have the like Houston has the star power that everyone loves to talk about with JJ Watt, Deshaun Watson, and Hopkins and all that. But they they just can't. All, they're the team that always just can't seem to get it all together at the right time, and and really do what they're supposed to be or what everyone thinks they're going to do. So I think it's too high of a spread. I think it's too high of a total. So I'd say take the Bills and the under. Take the Bills, take the under, and you didn't say it, but you uh, suggested take Akron and the 12.5 points. Seems a little high. I, I, would, I would definitely do a little bit more research on that. I'm, I'm not really up to date right. on, All on right. my Akron. All right, we won't like hold you to that one, Joe. We All won't right, good. <laughs> All right, Joel Staniszewski on the line from Vegas. Thanks again for joining us, Joel. And um, that's a wrap for the Tim Graham Show on October the 10th, Year of Our Lord 2018. Uh, the Tim Graham Show is brought to you by Viola Cummings and Lindsay, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys. Call 285-9555 on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. You can catch the Tim Graham Show on SoundCloud and on iTunes. So uh, give a listen, and uh, we'll catch you next week.